Welcome back to Retirement Intelligence with Tom Bruckner. Tom and his team at Strategic Asset Conservation will work to help you discover the buying power of your future dollars. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Retirement Intelligence with Tom Bruckner. You're listening to 960 The Patriot. My name is Michelle Wright. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your very busy weekend schedule to join us here. Let me give you our phone number. It's 480-661-6800. That's 480-661-6800 on the web. We're at gotonight.com. That's G-O, the number two, K-N-I-G-H-T dot com. That's how you get in touch with Tom and the entire team at Strategic Asset Conservation. Now, Tom, we've been discussing optimism, pessimism, and the economy. And uh, as most people can guess, there's not a lot of optimism out there when it comes to the current economic situation. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't. And you know, uh, unfortunately when you look at when you look at what these gains in the market this year have been based on. In other words, the sell-off was justified, I believe, because we're in the 8th year of a bull market. You know, the average duration of the average bull market uh, throughout history has been 3.7 years. We are now in the 8th year. Uh which means we're due. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are we are overdue for a significant um, you know, for a sell-off. Now, um, the average bear market decline is 34%. We've had a 12 and we've had a 13, as we said in the first segment. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, not, we're not close yet. But boy, there's some pessimism running through the economy. It's, uh, I, I'm going to share here in a minute from, from uh, Mike Larson's uh, commentary this week. But man, is it, uh, there, there are more and more voices joining the chorus of doomsayers. Mm-hmm. You know, a few years ago, it was Porter Stansberry and it was Harry Dent and some of these other folks. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, Peter Schiff has, has had his moments of, uh, of brilliance uh, talking about buybacks and, um, you know, the Fed policy and how foolhardy it is. But uh, I'm just not seeing I'm not seeing people enthusiastically buying right now. I don't think we're we're getting paid for the risk that we're, we're having to take uh, in, in, you know, on Wall Street. And, you know, one survey after another shows that Americans in particular, compared to the rest of the world, are just not, they're just not hopeful anymore. Exactly. And that survey, that comes from YouGov. And Charles Payne was recently talking about that on Fox Business. I want to play the clip of the the survey that you're discussing here. There's a survey out that asks uh, around the world how populations think about the world. Is it getting better? In China, 41% say, yeah, the world is getting better. In America, the number is 6%. Now think about that. In America, it's 6%. There is 6% of the American population that is optimistic about what is happening. That means 94% are not optimistic. Yeah. That's yeah, a they're just huge, not. And yeah. Well, part of it, I think, is, um, you know, we're in the political season. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of naysaying going on. You know, the Republicans are bashing. You know what? Uh, I think uh, what uh, Ted Cruz and uh, and 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 John Kasich and uh, and Donald Trump are calling the Clinton, the Obama Clinton economy. You know, and we see that every every p- political cycle. You know, that's not that's nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you look at statistics and you compare this recovery to others, we're not even close. I mean, Lindsey Piegza from uh, from Stiefel, mm-hmm. you know, in her most recent uh, economic analysis said we're looking at growth rates of GDP falling below 1%. And, 
and that she says this is this suggests a third consecutive quarter of waning momentum uh, since the four percent increase that we had in the second quarter of last year. Um, you know that number is going to come out here in another week. Um, not to be uh, not to be outdone. Now, Mike Larson, I said I was going to share some of what he said. Mm-hmm. Man, this guy, you know, he is usually full of um, even in the midst of declines. You know, there are always opportunities in the midst of panic. Well. Not so much. He's saying earning uh, urgent market crash coming. Uh, he calls it the uh, the great stock market bloodbath of 2016. You know, it's right around the corner. In fact, uh, in his piece, he said for years now, other analysts have been warning that a great crash was just around the corner. Year after year, they were wrong, and year after year, I steadfastly refused to join the bearish chorus until now. And then he talks. He, he gives all all the reasons. Uh, why things are going down. Um, and, and he talks about uh, earnings disappointments, right? I mean, look, uh, stocks stocks go up or are supposed to go up when companies have earnings. Right. When they have losses, right? Unless, unless those losses make the price of that stock really cheap, people aren't going to buy that stock because they don't, they don't want to see continued losses. They want to see the, the company get their act together. Right and 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 turn losses into profits, mm-hmm. and once they see that happening, they'll buy low and sell high, and they'll come on board for a little while. And if they see it happening habitually as a function of a corporate culture, they'll buy and hold for a long time, mm-hmm. right? And they'll, they'll own stocks for the long run. But earnings disappointments: IBM, Microsoft, Google, Starbucks, Goldman Sachs, Intel. I mean, these are diverse companies, right? Right. <laughs> you know, we're, we're got in all kinds of industries are reporting lousy earnings, lousy sales, disappointing forecasts, and more. He said um, overall, S and P five hundred profits tanked more than eight percent in the first quarter of this year. That extends the losing streak to four straight quarters. So for us, for a full year now, we've had S and P five hundred profits declining. For four straight quarters, we haven't seen that since the Great Recession of 2008. And he, he, he cites a plague of layoffs. He says Intel is firing 12,000 workers. That's more than 11% of its sales force. Wow. Halliburton axed 6,000 jobs in the first three months of the year. Schlumberger cut 2,000. That's not a surprise there in the energy sector, and we all know that that's probably a delayed statistic because oil is, uh, you know, oil has come back up again since then. But still, I mean, Yahoo is eliminating 1,700 positions. Uh, really? Right. Monsanto, 1,000 workers, laying them off. He talks about the, the, the technology sector. He said the tech party is over. The flood of easy money has dried up for Silicon Valley. Venture capital funding plunged 25% just between the fourth quarter of last year and the first quarter of this one. Median startup valuations have plunged 70% in just a few months. That's the worst collapse since the dot-com bust. People aren't, they're not getting new businesses off the ground. Real estate is crumbling. He says there are vacant office blocks all over the nation, four lease signs everywhere because no companies need the space. He even says it's not just commercial real estate. In Manhattan, there are newly built billionaire palaces with no lights on because nobody lives in them. Mm. The flood of easy money is drying up. Corporate buyback announcements fell to $182 billion in the first quarter, the weakest since 2012. So why have stocks been going up? 
not because private investors are, are buying them. In fact, what we've seen is we've seen an exodus of about $140 billion in the last year of private investor capital leaving equity mutual funds and ETFs. So if, if private investors are pulling out of the market to the tune of $140 billion in, in 12 months, why have they been going up? Because corporations have been buying back their own shares. Because they don't see any future in the economy and mm -hmm. therefore they're, they're not going to reinvest their capital in, in their companies. Right? You're not going to invest money in R&D, you know, research and development, new job training, new hires, capital expenditures, you know, getting new computers, getting a new security system, updating your buildings for technology efficiency. You're not going to spend that money unless you see a future return on that investment in your company. So if there's no economy to support you know, a return, what are you going to do with it? Well, the board of directors says, you know what? We make money when the stock goes up. So let's buy our own shares. Uh-oh. Right. Because <laughs> th that does not sound like a very sustainable model. No, especially when they're doing it with borrowed money. Right. I mean, look, corporations are... They're, they're issuing bonds, meaning that they're attracting capital in a low interest rate environment from bondholders. When you're a bondholder, you're a loaner to a corporation. So individuals looking, you know, wanting to get out of equities are looking at bonds and they want to know, okay, if I loan you, company XYZ, $100,000, what will you pay me as an interest rate on my money? Well, let's say they pay 3.1%. Okay, I'm getting 3.1% for 10 years on a 10-year bond, and in 10 years from now, you got to give me my principal back, mm -hmm. right? So the companies have a debt service on that money to the uh, loaner, the bond owner, right? And in 10 years, they got to pay the principal back. Well, what if you can't? Right. Because you blew that $100,000 on share buybacks, and that, that created a temporary surge in stock value, uh, and then that, that went to hell in a handbasket. I mean, we're just not being rewarded for the risk we're taking. No, and it's it's interesting you bring up reward and risk-taking because Seth Masters, who's the chief investment officer at Bernstein Wealth Management, was talking about this current market time versus other up markets. Now, in a normal up market, a lot of folks are saying, okay, well, I'll put my money in. It'll be at risk because I would be able to earn a higher return. According to Seth, this market is different. We're in an environment of a lot of structural risk. Right now, measures of risk like VIX have dropped a lot, but we think you're going to see that move around up and down. And in that kind of environment, you want to have a lot of compensation for risk. And here's the problem. Right now, the compensation that you're being paid to take risk in this environment is not high relative to the uncertainty that we see out there. And so now you're taking risk, but your return value, I mean, that's not even high. So why even take that risk? Well, and, that, and that's what Mike Larson is saying. You know, when, when he talks about, you know, when we're looking at, uh, let me go back to it here, uh, critical crash warning. He said, there's no, there's no reward, right? An IPO's initial public offering volume is off to its worst start for any year since 2009. He says the first tech offering of 2016 bombed, back in, bombed in April, dropping below its already reduced IPO price on day one. He said there's an automotive industry nightmare. Detroit, you know, not to be left behind here, is desperate. 
And for good reason, inventories of unsold vehicles are at near record levels. Manufacturers are jacking incentives up 14% from a year ago to almost 10% of sticker price. That's the highest ever. But the industry sales rate is still missed forecast by 700,000 vehicles in March. Wow. I, there's just, you know, yeah. everywhere you look, things are slowing down. Right. And, you know, the concern here on the part of our clients is, you know, how much longer is this going to last? And can we, um, you know, can we, is there, is there any place where we can make money? And, of course, there is. You know, one of the things I've been saying for years is you do not have to risk your money in order to grow it. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, the portfolio of, uh, of FIAs, these are fixed index annuities that we offer to our clients. You know, not a single client has lost any money in those. $270 million under management, not a single dime of losses. Wow. In the middle of uh, 2009 when the market crashed, nobody lost any money. Not a one. So, you know, I, I encourage you, if you're listening to this program and you're, and you're listening to this chorus of voices that are, that are talking about this, uh, this coming crash that we're having, you know, don't say we didn't warn you. Um, and the name of the game is buy low, sell high. Now would be a really good time to heed the voices of folks like Mike, Mike Larson and, uh, and John Hussman and many others who are saying this isn't going to end well. So let me give you a phone number so you can call. So it can end well for you, even though things are not that optimistic for the rest of the economy. 480-661-6800. That is the phone number to call so you can get a hold of Tom and the entire team at Strategic Asset Conservation. 480-661-6800 on the web. We're at gotonight.com. That's G-O, the number two. K-N-I-G-H-T dot com. Tom, I know you want to say so long to everybody out there. Yeah, have a great weekend, everybody. Chin up. Uh, this, This doesn't have to end badly for you. Give us a call. Thank you for listening to Retirement Intelligence with Tom Bruckner. For your own personal appointment with Tom and the team at Strategic Asset Conservation, call 480-661-6800. That's 480-661-6800. We'll return next week with more Retirement Intelligence with Tom Bruckner. The information covered today is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. It is not, however, intended to provide specific legal or tax advice. It can't be used to avoid tax penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. You are encouraged to consult your tax attorney or advisor. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurer. Riders may be available at an additional cost. Product and features may vary from state to state. For full details on how life insurance works, including fees, expenses, and costs, contact our office at 480-661-6800.